Why, hello, uglies. <laughs> Welcome back to the Dragula season review brought to you by another drag queen show, the podcast. This season, we are reviewing season one. And why not start with the very beginning? Season one, episode one. Oh, it is going to be a hot, 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 hot episode. <laughs> Sit back, relax, dim the lights if you are not driving or walking or whatever. But anyways, I hope you do enjoy. So come on in, beware, and be prepared to be scared. <laughs> Hello, my darlings. If I'm just gonna let you know, if I slur my words a little bit, um, it's because <laughs> it's because I just shotgun an entire 12 ounce thing of um, Budweiser uh, seltzer for a TikTok video. Um, also, I polished off a bottle of Arbor Mist, so um, I'm gonna apologize ahead in advance for that. Anyways, if you didn't catch the title in the intro, um. We're going back in time and we're talking about season one of Dragula. So, you know, yeah, we're going kind of way back. <laughs> Anyways, um, by way back, meaning um, as, at the time of this recording, um, I know Drac and Swan, they announced on their podcast, Creatures of the Night, that um, they will be... Um, Going ahead and posting all the seasons on Shutter. I think that's coming in March, but I'm not 100% sure. But um, they're they're also remastering them a lot and everything. But currently, if you're listening to this podcast, it should still be available on YouTube via the Hey Queen channel. Um, because this is an initially initially a web series. Uh, if you don't know your drag race, if you don't know your Dragula history. It started out as a web series. Um, they use Hey Queen. There's only like six episodes. So I'm going to do my best to try and review and cover all of them. And like I said, they should be available on Shutter um, from the time I'm recording this and everything relatively soon. Totally remastered. So you should be able to watch them on the Shuttered app. I'm sorry, Shutter app. Blah, blah, blah. Dad, I kind of wish those people would just sponsor me already. <laughs> How about the major tagline for this show right now for the show right now in the first season is to join the search for the first drag super monster um so let's go ahead and let's start with a review okay um in the beginning we have drag and the swan they're walking through a cemetery into a mausoleum um into the soon to be titled mansion now, this is the beginning of episode. They're still trying to figure it out. There isn't a mansion. There isn't a cauldron. There isn't a boudoir yet. Okay? This this was on a budget. I am telling you, this was on a freaking budget. <laughs> but, anyways, they, they meet our lovely contestants who are all presented in front of them with burlap sacks over their heads to cover their faces. Up first, we have the legendary... Queen of New York, Zochi Mochi. I think she's from New York. Oh, you know, I'm just going to tell you who they are. Uh, first is Zochi Mochi. Um, by the way, you're going to notice, a few, if you watch the Resurrection special, which I will eventually cover, um, you're going to 
remember some of these words are going to stick out. And you're also going to notice a few of them. Um, just offhand, if you watch the other seasons too. Um, second, we have Ursula Major. I had such high hopes for Ursula, I'll be honest with you. I'm trying not to give spoilers right away, but I, but we already know how this ends right now. This is like, you know, five, six years ago. Anyways, um, third up is Foxy Ajue. And fourth up, we have Vander Von Odd. That name should sound familiar, considering the fact that Miss Vander has done... Um, not just saying how the season ends and everything, but Vander has done a lot of work with Sasha Velour. I, I will also be throwing some tea, as I found out over the time. But this one, but Vander Von Ott has also done a lot of work. Also, currently works with the Boulay Brothers behind the scenes for production. Um, let's see. We also have number five, Meatball. Okay, now first of all, just a little tea about Meatball. Meatball, before the season, Meatball was a local L.A. queen who was actually known by a lot of people in the community um, before the show. So it's nice. And you do see her again later on making a cameo appearance, um, like later on in the show. But, um, yeah. Also, if you um, are subscribed to any shows from the Mom Podcast Network, uh, through Forever Dog. Um, then you also know Meatballs is a co-host with uh, Big Dipper for the show Sloppy Seconds. Um, so, and I think Meatball actually Meatball and Big Dipper they actually do cover uh, Dracula too, Dracula as well. But um, but it's it's mostly sex stuff. I'm just gonna say it right now. It's just mostly sex stuff. Okay. <laughs> Uh, next, we have Loris. Now, that's the name you should remember if you watch the Resurrection special. Um, Loris actually also got a name as a makeup artist in Los Angeles. Um, works a lot with Willem, Alaska from Drag Race, as well as a few other queens. And actually, Loris um, was hired as a makeup artist for several um, finale runway specials, just FYI, so she actually does have the tea. Also, like I said, she appeared as a contestant on, uh, Drag Race, on, uh, sorry, Dragula Resurrection, so, yay. Next up, Frankie Doom. Yet another name, you probably, sh you probably will know, uh, Frankie did appear on Dragula Resurrection as well. Um, but Frankie also kind of got noted mostly because, um, Frankie actually worked at Knott's Berry's Farm. Uh, and actually did a Not Scary Farm a lot, and actually has worked with Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, before. Uh, next up, we have Pinche Queen. Uh, and number, and our final contestant is someone who actually is mostly known in the, uh, pageant world of drag, but, and that will get called out later in the future. I know I'm spoiling it already. <laughs> <sighs> but anyways, um, so our final contestant is Melissa B. Fierce. I'm sorry I'm coughing y'all yet again. I chugged a lot of, I shotgunned a lot of alcohol for TikTok. Okay, so I'm going to apologize right now. I am so sorry. Anyways, Melissa B. Fierce is our final contestant. Um, moving on, the first challenge is announced. They have to give a witched, uh, sorry, a wicked witch look. 
Um, and they have to do an acting challenge with this, which is to reenact the death of the Wicked Witch of the West. Uh, so that's basically the first challenge. And yet again, this should sound familiar because it was redone in Dracula Resurrection, which is also available on Shudder. I mentioned, I'm going to mention Shudder a lot on here. And I'm, I gotta say, I, I really think at this point they should sponsor me. So if anyone from Shudder is listening to this, please sponsor me. And with that tongue pop, I, I, there's some little key moments in this, in this episode in particular that I'm a little obsessed with. One is a swan ending in the explanation with a tongue pop. Um, I'm, and I'm also going to tell you right now, the production here is so budgeted right now. You're going to have a lot of, um, campy moments in this, like, whole series because they're working on such a small budget. Um, and I haven't mentioned the prize yet only because it hasn't come up yet in the episode. I'm actually doing this kind of in order. Um, so anyways, Speaking of budget, their dressing room, which will be later in dubbed in later seasons as the boudoir. Well, the boudoir doesn't really exist yet. It doesn't really exist at this time. Okay, so like my bedroom is like eight feet by twelve feet in a one bedroom apartment. Um that's their dressing room for all nine contestants. And they work on such a tiny counter space. Actually, Frankie Doom, you'll notice, actually has, just so that everyone has room, Frankie has their own table, little pop-up table set up, um, which is, no, no, actually, that wasn't Frankie, that was Ursula. Sorry, Ursula has her own little pop-up table just so they have enough space in there. Um, you kind of get a sense of what actually happens in this season, what actually happens backstage in an actual dressing room for a drag bar or a drag show, um, which is kind of why I loved it beginning, you know, the beginning wise, I loved it because, you know, you to hear it. Um, production's really not prompting them because they don't really have enough people on set, for, you know, that work for production to actually, you know, prompt them. So everything's more raw. Um, audio isn't that great right now because um, yet again, there's less production staff. This isn't a very, you know, highly produced show. Um, and it's dependent on, like, you know, a total of, um, the, uh, whole, of uh, reach that the, um, Hey Queen, which, by the way, if you haven't seen Johnny McGovern and God Rest Her Soul, Our Angel in Heaven, Lady Red Couture in Heaven, um, then I suggest that's a one YouTube channel. I actually do suggest you watch if you like, uh, Drag Race or if you like RuPaul's Drag Race or other shows, of such magnitude, of like, you know, such kind or just gay news in general. Um, I would definitely listen to them. Uh, Johnny McGovern is also the gay pimp. And on our main channel, we do talk a little bit about how he actually started a global TikTok trend and a global social media trend in general. Um, but that's a whole nother story. And, you know, of course, the entire conversation <laughs> of this of the talk in the dressing room is mostly dominated with how Loris is vegan and Loris is notorious because she punched someone in the face for eating a burger and it offended her vegan rights. I am, I'm just going to end that right there. 
<laughs> so, um, like I said, y'all, this was, uh, this, this is, this is a budget. This is like, this is highly budgeted. Um, this could have been done on like a series. This is actually like, I think actually on Creatures of the Night, uh, Swan and Drac and, um, Adam, um, they give like a whole context of the show. Um, quite literally, if you've been to any drag bar that's kind of considered, you know, uptownish, sort of, that's how big their stage was. Um, it is like, you know, it is literally like it could, the stage itself could actually fit in my bedroom at the dimensions I just mentioned. Um, I've actually, myself, I've actually worked in a drag bar. That was the most glamorous drag bar I ever worked in. That was the stage dimension size. That was the dress, like the dressing room size. That was like the, those were the actual fucking dimensions. I am not going to be on, I'm going to be completely transparent about that. Um, so, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> but I still love the show. I still love this. I became a fan after the first episode, after the trailers, I became such a fan. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. I sound so weird. I am so sorry. Uh, but anyways, um, anyways, but let me just give you a description of the background before we take a quick break. Um, the stage background is basically four-way stretch sequin fabric. Uh, that's, you know, that's basically, it's four-way stretch glitter fabric in two different colors, black and like ruby red. Those are those two colors for the background. They have a sign made in the typical Dragula blood dripping, um, look that is glittered to fuck. <laughs> um, and yet again, if you're used to going to a drag bar, this is the, um, this, this would be considered like an uptown upscale drag bar. Um, still kind of a dive, but it's uptown and it's upscale. So any drag performers listening to this, I think you know what I'm talking about. This whole setup. <laughs> We've all performed in this. <clears throat> mm. So uh, before I have to go ahead and take a short little break, I'm going to tell you um, the very first j guest judge on this entire show, who has been a consistent guest judge, usually within the first, like, three episodes, usually the first one. I can't, I think there's one season where he couldn't make it until the third one, but um, we will get to that later on, uh, much later on. But the very first guest judge is a good friend of the Boulay Brothers, Mr. Darren Stein. He, if you don't know who he is, he was the director of the movie Jawbreaker that starred Rose McGowan. Which, by the way, is a good movie. I suggest you watch it. Um, Darren Stein. Uh, if you listen to Creatures of the Night podcast, I'm going to tell you right now. Darren Stein actually does have a very pivotal date. The, the Boulets actually love having Darren there. Because from like a production standpoint and directorial standpoint, especially when there's like an acting challenge, um, they really like him there. You know, as a guest judge, because he can give a pretty good, accurate thing. And plus, he's apparently, and was, uh, oh gosh, I am so sorry. And plus, he's such a fan of the show to begin with. He, he loves the Belay Brothers so much. And also, he's a fan of their um, 
shows that they do, their epic parties that they do, the performances that they they host, and everything like the parties they host, the performances they host, everything their their underground little drag competition they do. He is like possibly one of the best guest judges. Anyways, I'm gonna take a short little break, and I will be right back, and we'll continue on with the competition, and I might actually finally explain to you what the prize is. <laughs> Okay, and we're back. <laughs> I last mentioned um, Darren Stein was our first guest judge ever, um, director of the movie Jawbreaker. Um, let's see, I already mentioned the Queens. Also, um, I mentioned, and just a reminder, you can watch this season until you can watch the season until it gets pulled. Um, that it is available on the Hey Queen YouTube channel, which is hosted by uh, the gay pimp himself, Johnny McGovern, to whom created a viral TikTok sound and I will be honest um I've kind of had like a low-key crush on Johnny for a very long time so hey Johnny if you're listening you know <laughs> I do not recommend podcasting when you've been drinking a, when you binge drink a lot of alcohol just FYI um I'm still feeling the effects of it right now but we will pursue because mama didn't raise no quitter Anyways, as far as look-wise, the ones that stood out to me the most were uh, Zochi Mochi, uh, Vander Von Odd, Meatball, and also Melissa B. Fierce. But that was because everyone else did a very tribal-themed one. Um, their tribal-themed looked sort of witch. It was very tribal-themed. I think Loris was kind of borderlining it, but at the same time, everyone else was just very tribal-themed. Um, there was one part that didn't get mentioned to us in the acting challenge, um, until it happened was that party acting challenge was that they were basically, they had water thrown on them. So to my fellow Queens who are listening right now, if you know what that feels like, um, I think we all know what that feels like. I mean, how many of us have had shit thrown us that, you know, with things thrown on us in full makeup and drag and everything, and we do not appreciate it. Um, <laughs> um, there was acting wise, there were some good standouts. One of them was to me, there were two to me, uh, Zochi Mochi and uh, Vander Von Odd, and they made it like Vander kind of made it hilarious because Vander just yelled out, um, Oh my god, is this LA tap water? No. <laughs> By the way, I've been to L.A. Don't drink the tap water without it going through a couple filters first. Um, you know, without it running through a Brita. Just FYI, I'm just going to mention that to you. It is terrible. Um, <laughs> anyways, um, also another thing at this point, after the challenge is done, when we take a look at the judges, one thing you will be is missing that we are used to at this point, especially new reviewers, um... Drac and Swan don't have a throne. They don't have thrones. Um, there is like this pop-up folding table in front of them. And you can see like the clipboards with like their handwritten notes on there. Um, yet again, this was a very budgeted season. This was a very low budget season. Um, actually, on their last podcast episode where they're talking about the uh, the clown episode of season four, um, if this was if they did that in season one, which is apparently they did a lot of things in season four that they wanted to do, but they couldn't do in earlier seasons because of the lack of budget. 
Um, the uh, clown drag race thing was sort of the uh, thing too. They mentioned uh, they basically mentioned at one point and everything they basically had to get old school like tricycles for the for the contestants, <laughs> which I can just imagine it. <laughs> Coming on an entire racetrack on push pedal. <laughs> God, how many of those bitches would have been exhausted? Okay. Anyways, I believe at this point, um, in the previous incarnations of the Dragula review, I mentioned the price at some point before getting to the second part of the episode. But anyways... This is a point in the competition where um, Swan Thula decides to go ahead and announce the prize. Um, well, Dragon and Swan. The prize is this episode. Okay, it's not put up by them themselves. But what they're doing is that they're allowing the fans who watch the show to actually... They created a fund where the fans can actually tip their favorite queens. And it would all get together in a pot. And the pot is a $10,000 limit. Which, you know, guys, with some of the shit they go through, it doesn't sound a lot. But I, I'll i be honest. I th- Another reason why I'm a fan of the show is because I kind of emulate what these queens, especially in season one, went through. The, the shit I used to do on stage to get, like, a... Just, just to come out with a $20 tip at the end of the night sometimes. Oh my god, like $20 total, by the way, tip at the end of the night. Not include, that doesn't include whether or not I actually do get paid for being on stage. <laughs> so $10,000 grand prize cap, and they do donate in front of them. And just a little side tea, Sharon Needles um, did actually donate $666 into this tip fund. So, and Alaska, so did Alaska Thunderfuck. And I think a few other members of the House of Haunt, their drag house, too. <coughs> oh, God. And then not only that, but they got the crown and title. And, of course, there was a tour um, basically involved where they did. They didn't necessarily headline. They did. The winner did headline it, basically. Um, and if you know who the winner is right now, did you know that, that bitch came out pretty well for themselves considering how low the price was? Okay. Moving on. Uh, let's see. Our tops were, for this episode, were Zochi Mochi, Vander, Frankie Von Doom, and Foxy Achiwe. And the actual winner is, they don't say who the winner is because there wasn't an actual winner winner. Um, but the person who came out, basically, that Boulez bragged about on top was Vander Von Ott. Okay, so that's our tops. Um, our safe queens were Melissa B. Fierce and Ursula Major. And Ursula, because they said they, um, they kind of felt that Ursula's costume, it was like different types of fabrics, kind of hodgepodge, that looked kind of hodgepodgey under stage lighting. Um, and Melissa B. Fierce came out in this beautiful, like super villain get up, but yet again, it was a super villain. It wasn't an actual witch, you know. So, but it, they, she looked so good, the bitch got away with it. Um, our bottoms unfortunately leave us with Loris, Pinche Queen, and Meatball. Dun dun dun. Um, 
I think Loris, they said that her concept was uh, kind of hodgepodgey. Same thing with Meatball. They love the fact that she kind of went in this candy witch direction. But at the same time, it just, the performance just wasn't so great. Um, in Pinche, uh, basically she painted her entire face with black glitter paint. Um, and their, their whole point with this whole thing was like, if you, I mean, like, cause like most of the, like, cause like the majority of this cast right now, they're known for their ability to, uh, do makeup, um, that right now and everything that Pinche just, they felt kind of did easy out doing like all black glitter paint. That, that was just kind of an easy way out. And I kind of had to agree with them. Okay. So, um, if you did watch season four. Uh, on Shutter, then this extermination should not be surprised, uh, because this is where the season four first extermination they revived it from. This was the first extermination ever. Um, it was the buried alive in a coffin extermination, um, and these coffins had holes where they could had a hole and everything like portals where they could throw bugs and things and water. Um, just on them, and it's, I, it, it's the very first elimination, it's possibly of the entire series. It was redone in season four. It's now legendary for this particular reason. <laughs> and this whole entire time I'm watching this, I could not quit staring at Israel. Okay, I know we love Daddy Israel a lot and everything, particularly since he let the salt and pepper hair kind of come in. But at the same time, I have an appreciation for Daddy Israel five, six years ago. Um, I would lick him up. I would lick him up and down. I would do things to him that would make anyone blush um, and also a few people vomit. Um, but Israel, um, he is. Just the manservant of my dreams. Um, I would... God, the things I would do to that man. The things I let him do to me. Things we do together. <laughs> he is my thirst trap. Okay. Unlike season four, these grades were actually pretty shallow. Because, um, like, in season four, apparently, um, there's some photos of Drac and Swan testing these out. In season four, they were actually six feet in the dirt. In the dirt. The dirt. <laughs> That's how they were in season four. They were actually six feet in the dirt. This time they were just a little bit shallow, just shallow enough to give the uh, context of the challenge for the cameras and kind of create an atmosphere for the contestants. But they were still in the dirt, but they were in very shallow in the dirt. Sorry, I had a little bit of interruption because um, I was baking something. Because yet again, I am buzzed as fuck right now. And I probably should just do every review like this. Just FYI. Maybe I should make a note of that. Nope, no, no, no. We're going to do it more sober next time. I am so sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyways, this whole entire time, I'm just going to say it right now. I could not stop laughing at Meatball. <laughs> Meatball's entire reaction was hilarious. And by the way, um, from like episode, from like seasons eight through ten ish somewhere, um, World of Wonder actually asked Meatball to do commentary on um, the um, 
the countdown to the crown for RuPaul's Drag Race, just FYI. Um, so, but anyways, but Meatball was just hilarious. <laughs> um, also, Pin Chase face, because she's so short. This bitch is so short. Without heels, she's so short. Pin Chase face, um, when she's in the coffin... Um, she doesn't have to kind of scoot up a little bit. So her face is directly underneath the little porthole where they're dumping all the stuff on. So everything is like on her face. That, that bitch must have got, when they got to the water pouring on her, that bitch must have gotten some glitter in her eye or something. That was hilarious. <laughs> um, speaking of water sports, um, Loris got to live her water sports fantasy. Just gave us an, oh, daddy, screaming, moaning moment. And um, I live for it. Bitch, I live for it. <laughs> uh, meatball, at some point, and she says this herself, I think when they reviewed it on Sloppy Seconds, um, she said this herself. She she actually pissed her pants. <laughs> she actually pissed herself in the coffin. I hope she was the last one that went in, but she apparently actually pissed herself. <laughs> oh, God, that was so funny. Also, um, I laughed a little bit, and I might pee a little bit when I noticed the fact that she had a used condom <laughs> stuck to her the entire time. Uh, <laughs> God, this bitch is so funny. Uh, meatball. 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 <laughs> okay, all right, all right. To the final decision that is being made, we find out who gets exterminated a little bit shortly after their, they explain their experience and Meatball professes the fact that she actually pissed herself. Um, and she reiterates this several times. She actually pissed herself. Uh, <laughs> okay, we come to a scene where we see finely manicured hands pouring gasoline around some brush with some with some high-heeled feet sticking in them. Um, a torch is lit, and we discover that our first eliminate queen ever on this franchise, who I think should be brought back at some point, just saying. Um, but then again, I think a lot of drag judging franchises should have a first sent home uh, person come back. I'm just saying. Uh, we find out that it is Pinche who is tied to the stake and she is burned alive at the stake. I mean, it was a witch challenge. I mean, what did you expect to happen? Her final words were, Balenciaga! Da, 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 da. And we cut to our screen where it tells us that it went from nine queens to eight queens remaining. And that is the first episode of Dragula Season 1. Oh, what a ride it was. <laughs> I can't believe that ever pissed herself. <laughs> oh, God. Let's go to the ending message. 
thank you for listening to this episode of the Dracula Season 1 Review. Now, we will be coming back every, I believe, Tuesday um, with new episodes um, until we finish Season 1. Um, also, be sure to catch the main show of another drag queen show. Anyways, yet again, and in the words of the empirical, incomparable Elvira, Mistress of the Night, Unpleasant Dreams.